You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. This weekend, I went up north to a place called Bad Axe. Bad Axe. Just be clear, you heard something else. Bad Axe up in the thumb. Anybody been there before? Yes. Yeah, okay, so two of you. Yeah, you live there? Nice. Maybe you know my my grandma-in-law. Is that what they're called? Is that a thing? Yeah, okay. So Jody's grandma just turned 90 yesterday, which is pretty impressive, right? So uh, she's there with the kids right now. That's why she's not here with us tonight. Um, but uh, I drove up yesterday to meet them. And it was great to see my daughter Jericho in the dress. And then uh, her cousin, Olivia. Now, Olivia, my son Beckett always calls her baby Olivia. And then they moved to Texas. So they're excited to see baby Olivia, who clearly is not a baby anymore. And my son, Becky, was just so confused. He's like, baby Olivia, who is she? You know, like just for the rest of the weekend, he is just always like, how'd she grow? And we just are trying to explain in the same way that he did. But, you know, it's complicated. Anyways, uh, my daughter, Jericho, was happy to see someone about her age. Olivia's about a year younger And I showed up right in time to experience the weight of what it looks like when two kids sleep in a tent and forget to actually sleep during the night. So both of them were kind of cranky with one another, uh, and I'm just watching them kind of like fight a little bit. But apparently they've been holding hands and were all friendly up until I showed up, supposedly, I'm told. Um, And at one point yesterday, I just realized like, hey, where are Jericho and Olivia? I haven't seen them in a while. You know, that parental instinct kicks in finally. And so I like walk around the corner and there they are walking down a steep cliff type thing. I'm like, all right, let's, let's come off that. And then uh, they come down and they both have these kind of like play darts. You just throw them in their hands. Not like the you'll poke your eye out darts. Someone just gasped like they were going to murder each other. It was not like that. Uh, <laughs> but they were like, I don't know. They weren't foam. They were plastic. They looked like foam. Uh, and they found out that they weren't foam when Olivia walked up to Jericho and just Bopped around the head really hard with it, right? So I'm just sitting there and I hear it thunk. I'm like, oh boy. Immediately Jericho runs to the corner. I'm like, okay, here we go. Aunt Jamie comes around for Olivia. What happened? I think Olivia just didn't know how hard that was. She hit Jericho in the head. And so it begins. The moment of child apologies. Everybody's favorite, right? So Aunt Jamie's like, okay, Olivia, you... uh, you, you, can't, you can't hit people on the head. That hurts. Can you tell Jericho sorry? And she's like, no. <laughs> so, okay. I'm like, I'm just going to let Aunt Jamie handle this because I feel bad parenting her child. You know? <laughs> like, no. When, when you hurt someone, whether it's intentional or unintentional, you say sorry. No. Right? So like five minutes go by and finally I'm just like kind of staying there waiting to do my part. Jericho, can you say I forgive you? Right. So uh, finally she's like, all right, Jericho, I'm sorry. Jericho doesn't hear it, of course. So now we're like, okay, let's get her back up. So she'll do it again. Another two minutes go by. Finally, Jericho, I'm sorry. Like, okay, Jericho, what do you say? 
she just she just walks away. I'm like, oh come on, you know, like Jericho, come back, say sorry, say I, I or I mean, don't say sorry, right? Like say say you know it's okay, I forgive you. And another like five minutes go by until finally she's like, Olivia, it's okay, I forgive you. And Olivia doesn't hear it. I'm like, oh, <laughs> so so they get back to it's okay, I forgive you. And then we move on. Now this sounds you know, funny, childish, until you look at us today, even as adults, because we still seem to have the same problem, the same syndrome, right? In which somebody hurts us, and it's very clear, like, you hurt me, you walked up while I was staring this way and thumped me in the head with a dart. <laughs> and still, like, can you say sorry? Well, it wasn't my fault. It kind of was, you know, like, even in our adult stages, we harness bitterness and we start fighting with one another, and things just become like this, this whole thing. And uh, that's actually where our passage takes us today. Uh, Anna, on, um, on the printer are my notes. I'm just making stuff up right now. Could I have those? <laughs> Thank you. So uh, we're jumping into Matthew 18, uh, 21 to 35. Thank you very much. Anna, everybody. She's not usually here. She works at another church. I was like, you're here. Can you run PowerPoint and give me my notes and stuff? It's great. She has to work even when she's visiting. (laughs) So uh, here we go. In Matthew 18, Jesus has already talked about forgiveness. And now he continues talking about forgiveness because Jesus saw forgiveness as this very important thing. Here's what's going on. He's preaching. And then Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Now, I've heard people be like, okay, so that math works out to what? Uh, 200 and... I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> Jesus is not giving you a math equation. If he wanted you to have an ultimate number, you're just giving you an ultimate number, right? Jesus is just exaggerating. Seven times? Pfft, more like 70 times seven. Like, just... All the times. If anyone comes up to you and sins against you, Jesus is saying you are to forgive them every single time. Not a math equation, just every time. Plus, this number seven is being thrown around a lot. It's been thrown around three times in this passage. Seven in the Bible typically represents a number of completeness because that's when God finished all the creation of the world. So often when the Bible uses the number seven, it's talking about like, this is a completeness. So Jesus is like, how many times? Completely, always. The ultimate manifestation of forgiveness in the kingdom is if someone needs to be forgiven, you are to always forgive them. Jesus then jumps into a parable on forgiveness. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, you're not Greek, so you probably don't know what a talent is. Anybody want to take a guess? Playing an instrument. What was that? Playing an instrument. That's a talent. A tal- well, yeah, that, that would be the talents in the way that we think about it. In their time, a talent would be uh, like a sum a of money. Pay. What was that? A day's pay. A day's pay. Try 20 years' pay. So in this case, Jesus is like, this guy brought up his servant, and he's like, okay, you owe me 150,000 to 250, or to 200,000 years 
worth of pay. The guy doesn't owe him $150,000. He owes him 150,000 years worth of payments. <laughs> in other words, Jesus is like, if Jesus would have come into America and said the same probably like, so is this guy, and he owed like a zillion dollars, right? Like it's just a ton of money. Nobody has that much money. No one's got 150,000 years worth of wages on them. But Jesus is saying that's how much this guy owed. 150,000 years worth of wages. And he's behind on his payments, believe it or not. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So today, you know, if you default on your loan, the bank's going to take things like your house, like your car, other things that you own that are worth some kind of value, right? Back then, with slavery being a thing, this king would be like, okay, so you're my property. I'm going to sell you for all the money that you're worth since you can't pay me. So that would be the way that this king's thinking. But this servant falls to his knees, imploring him, says, uh, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave the debt. Now that should catch you impressive because you know what your bank doesn't do? <laughs> uh, you really touched my heartstrings. Okay, just get out of here. You're good, right? But in this parable, God's like, you owe me 150,000 years worth of wages. He doesn't go on to say, okay, fine, I won't sell you. But just so you know, everything that you own for the rest of your life, it's mine now. And that still won't even come close. The master doesn't do that. Instead, he's like, okay, all right, you're off, Scott clean. You owe nothing. You are free, completely free. The debt that you owe, that 150,000 years worth of wages, completely wiped off the slate. But then the irony is what this servant does next, right? When that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. In this case, we're talking about 100 days wages, okay? 150,000 years worth of wages versus 100 days. He walks up to the guy with 100 wages and he seizes him and he begins to choke him saying, where is my money? No, that's not what he said. He said, pay what you owe, right? So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him. It's the same story. Have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then the master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant. I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Now this right here is a powerful testimony because all of us can relate to it in some way. All of us have been hurt by someone else. And sometimes it only took a few minutes out of the womb, right? <laughs> We've all been hurt by someone. We all feel like someone owes us a debt that we don't want to forgive, that we don't want to let go. Because for some reason in our fallenness, we like to be angry. We like to hold on to it. 
But here, God is painted as someone in which you owe everything to. Well beyond your life, well beyond 150,000 generations of lives, you owe him that much in, in a spiritual way. And then God says, you know what? I'm letting you off the hook. Follow me, and I'll let you off the hook. But then we as Christians, we as human beings, we walk around and we still do it to other people. Hey, uh, you owe me. Come on, feed up, right? And then that's the picture that's painted throughout many of our lives. We just get caught up in not forgiving people. And when we do that, we're not showing people who God is because God does what? Forgives vastly, hugely. If he wants you to forgive every single time, 77 times 7 to the infinite completeness, guess what God will do for you? He will forgive you every time, 77 times 7 to the ultimate completeness. He's not asking you to do anything he hasn't already done for you. But all this being said, a lot of times we get confused because forgiveness paints God in a weird light. Because when we think about what people do to us, we're like, we have to forgive that? God, don't you care? Don't you have a moral compass? Look what they did to me. You want me to forgive that? That's how a lot of people think about forgiveness. And they actually, in thinking that way, misunderstand what forgiveness is. So can I give you a few points tonight? Like what forgiveness isn't and what forgiveness is? That'd be helpful? All right, let's jump in. I hate it when pastors say that after they've been talking for 20 minutes. Let's continue. We're not just getting started. Okay, so book by R.T. Kendall. I'm just stealing from him, to be honest. Uh, I'm going to take some of his lists. I'm going to say them a little bit differently on some points. But uh, here's what forgiveness is not, okay? Forgiveness is not approval of what that person did to you, okay? When you forgive someone, you are not saying like, ah, it's okay. In fact, I'm in it. (laughs) You know, like, I'm all good with what you did. I wish you would have hurt me that way. Forgiveness is not approval of what they did. Forgiveness is not excusing what they did. In the same way that, like, someone says, can I be excused from the table? It's not that simple. It's not just like, ah, yes, you may go. Ah, yes, you're clean. Don't worry about it. No, you've been hurt. Forgiveness is not just excusing it. It did happen. It's not justifying what they did. Look, guys, we hurt people because we're broken people, okay? Uh, There's this vision. It's always been powerful to me. Uh, Pastor, theologian Greg Boyd tells this vision. He saw this story in the news of uh, some guy who killed this kid, and he was just heartbroken. He hates those stories. And so his heart's broken, he's praying that night, and while he's praying, he has this vision of this kid locked in this closet trying to get out, and the dad's just holding him in there, he doesn't want to let him out, and the kid's like screaming, you know, he's in agony. And Greg Boyd's just like, God, why are you giving me this vision? The kid's dead. Am I supposed to pray for him now? Do I really lift him up now? And guess what God says? This vision isn't of the kid who died today, this is the guy who killed the kid. This is how his father treated him when he was younger. In other words, God was showing Greg, look, this guy's operating out of all the brokenness in his life. When we start to see that we're all broken people operating out of our brokenness, it gives us some space to be a bit more graceful and merciful. But that being said, it still does not justify. God was not in that moment saying, oh, he's justified in what he did. Not at all. But he is saying like, Look, it's not as simple as just there's horrible people out there wanting to hurt you. It's more like there's people out there who are broken from everything that's happened in their own lives, creating new brokenness. But still, 
Forgiveness is not justifying what someone did, even if you understand why they operated in that way. It's not pardoning people from appropriate consequences, okay? So, like, for example, uh, things like rape and murder. You're going to find yourself in a court sentence, and you're going to end up in jail. Forgiveness is not saying, no, 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 they're released from consequences. No, these people have done things, and for their own protection, for everyone's protection, they may have to undergo some certain consequences, and hopefully those consequences, if they're working right, will help them recover, right? Will help bring them out of that so that they won't do things like that again, so that they can return to uh, normal life. Um, actually, this week on the podcast, I'm going to be interviewing Scott Smith, who ended up in Jackson prison with a life sentence, but God so radically changed him while he was there that he got out in like three to five years. So listen to our podcast this week because uh, that will be a good example of uh, he actually like he understands that prison was God's way of like finally getting him out of his sex addiction and waking him up. So we're going to talk with him this week if you want to learn more about legal consequences are appropriate. Um, and that's that's uh, forgiveness is not just pardoning consequences. OK, uh, forgiveness is. This, this hurts to say. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Okay? Forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things. Reconciliation requires two people, right? Requires two parties to say together we forgive each other and we're going to work this out. You realize you can only be as responsible as you can for your choice in that. Right? So if you choose to forgive and the other person doesn't, Reconciliation is not going to be possible. Maybe within time it will come. Or think of it this way. Maybe you had someone who hurt you greatly in your life, but they're dead now. You realize even though they're dead, you can still forgive them. You can move past that. You know what you can't do though, right? You, you can't reconcile. That moment has passed. You can't get back to that point. But you can forgive. So reconciliation is like the ultimate kind of like outcome of good forgiveness. Reconciliation is not always possible. It takes both parties to be coming to uh, an agreement to fix things. Uh, Forgiveness is not denying what the person did. You're not trying to like, oh no, they never did that or just like pretend it never happened. It's not forgetting what happened. By all means, if somebody is molesting or abusing you, don't forget it because remembering it's going to teach you, I need to stay away from this person. Right? I don't understand why forgive and forget. We always put those words together. Ah, forgive and forget. Those are two very different words. God doesn't say forget, but he does say forgive. Uh, it's also forgiveness is not refusing to take the wrong seriously. Okay? Don't belittle what happened. It happened. You don't need to downplay it because you've forgiven them. Finally, forgiveness is not pretending that we aren't hurt. You don't walk around like, ah, oh, everything's hunky-dory and everything's just fine. No, you're hurt. You're hurt. You don't have to pretend you're not. These are things that forgiveness is not. Let's talk uh, about what forgiveness is. This list is shorter, okay? First off, forgiveness is choosing to keep no record of wrongs. You ever met someone who keeps that record? I dated someone who kept that record once. <laughs> yeah. It's like anytime something came up, I was like, you remember that one time you did this thing and this thing and this thing? I thought we were past that. <laughs> no, I'm not past that. Well, the Bible says. <laughs> no, that doesn't work out. So 
but forgiveness is that. It's not keeping all these records that you can just like, let me go into the database of Jamin. Ah, yes, March 13th. Do you remember? No, you'll have to enlighten me, right? So forgiveness is not keeping records of, of wrongs. Um, you need to allow things to go, not pull them back up. Uh, that doesn't mean that you're stupid about things, but you don't need to uh, keep a record of it. It's uh, refusing to punish, okay? So this sounds confusing. Jamin, you just said you might turn people over to legal consequences or that sins might have consequences. I did, and I mean that. However, uh, forgiveness is refusing to punish. In other words, let's say that something happened to you. You're sitting in that courtroom. You're waiting to see what the consequences are. Your heart should be in a place where you are not hoping that this person experiences vengeance and anger and punishment. If you are truly looking to forgive them while you are sitting in that courtroom awaiting the legal outcome, your heart should not be in a place waiting for it all to fall apart for them. Forgiveness is not gossiping about what the other person did, right? And not Christian gossiping either, okay? You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Oh, I just really need the church's help on this. No, you don't. You can cover this yourself. Uh, forgiveness is being merciful and gracious. Merciful and gracious. Just as God is merciful and gracious to you, so you must be to other people. Uh, it is also the absence of bitterness. And R.T. Kendall says, if you're wondering, like, how do I know when bitterness is finally gone? He says, you'll know that bitterness is gone uh, when the desire to get even is gone. To get what's yours. To get what's coming to them. Okay, And then finally. uh, It's being aware of what someone has done. And still forgiving them. So you didn't forgive and forget. You forgave and remembered. But despite the fact that you remember. You're still forgiving them. You're still letting them go. Does this help you a little bit. Understand what forgiveness is. Does it help you see who God is. That he's not telling you like. It's all good in the hood. Just forgive that horrible thing they did. It's not like that, okay? Now, I don't know about you, but this last one's hard for me. Being aware of what someone did to me and still forgiving them is complicated. In fact, I have times, usually when I'm driving a car, I guess I get real bored, but I get like in my mind, and suddenly in my mind, I remember something someone did to me, and even though we've moved past it, even though we've forgiven each other and worked it out, it starts bubbling up. I hear the things that they said to me all over again. And it just starts getting worse and worse. And I start and I start just like, you know what? I'm really mad at them. And I wasn't before that moment. But as I relive the experience, it just happens all over again. Here's what you got to do when you have that happen. Okay, as a part of your act of forgiveness, think of it in the same way of lust. So a lot of us struggle we see someone attractive and we might picture them naked or we might think of sex with them right it might get out of control the bible tells us not to do that jesus told us not to do that and if we do those kinds of things we're actually just committing adultery in our heart (laughs) to shut that down when those thoughts come what do you have to do you gotta rebuke it you gotta send it away you gotta shut it down because it's gonna try to get under your skin in the moment that you let a lustful thought get in there it starts progressing in its own way, shape, and form, right? 
So to really shut that down, it takes habits. You got to build it. Okay, that thought popped up. I'm putting it away. That thought popped up. I'm putting it away. I'm not going to think about it. I'm going to think about something else. I'm going to put my head somewhere else, right? Same thing with forgiveness. If that scenario comes back to your head and it wants to like, hey, remember me? Let's get back to that bitterness you had, that anger you had. Shut it down. Shut it up. Turn on some music. Watch a movie. Do, do whatever it is that take, in the same way that you need to get out of those lustful moments. Get out of those moments that want to say, hey, let forgiveness go and come back and be bitter again. All right? This is an important message for today's world to forgive. And it's important for Christians too. I don't, I don't know what's happening right now. I love social justice. I got inspired by social justice a lot, probably like five years ago after reading a Shane Claiborne book. And it's, it's impacted a lot of what I try to do just as a pastor in the community. But social justice has now become very popular, mainstream, and in the process, the definition of justice, I think, has been shifted. Okay? It doesn't look very Christian to me anymore. I mean, if you get on Twitter on any day (laughs) and just look at what the Christians are saying, they like, they want justice, but like they want the world to burn kind of justice, right? Ah, oh, this person ha- this person did this. Let's take them down. Let's get them in jail. Let's let's turn them over to the authorities and watch the, their lives just fall apart. Like I get it. God doesn't like injustice, therefore we shouldn't like injustice. But you know what's hard to do in 140 tweets, 140 characters? It's to portray Christian justice. Hey guys, this person is doing this. This isn't right. We need to stop this. You know what? We need to we need to pray for this guy who's doing this thing. And we need to hope that he'll be reconciled, that he'll fix the way that he's currently living and that he'll undo the things that he's done, that he'll make up for the crimes that they've committed, that that they'll, you know, go on to be fixed and find forgiveness themselves and find Jesus. But that's not the message of Christian social justice today. The, the message of Christian social justice is today is just like, this person is doing all this wrong stuff and let's just destroy them. That's not Jesus. Jesus is the guy on the cross who's like, okay, you just killed me. You put nails in my arms and in my feet and crown a thorn on my heads. And you know what? I'm not going to ask God to forgive you. <laughs> that's the harder thing to do. But that's what Jesus calls us to. And if a guy can be hanging on a cross in the electric chair of his time and say, God, forgive them. By no means is there anything in your life that you can't forgive. Because the guy you're following has already set the precedent. No, look what I can do. This is the power of the kingdom, power of love and forgiveness. So we need to check the motives of our heart as we fight for justice. If uh, the hope for forgiveness and reconciliation isn't in there, then I would suggest to you that we're not doing prophetic justice in the stream of Jesus. And that's important to, to pay attention to. Um, final thought as we kind of close out here. Some of you are good at forgiving. You're like, oh, I've forgiven a million times. I pay attention to my own self all the time, trying to catch like, what things am I doing wrong? When I'm in a, like when I have a tight spot with someone else, I usually come back and say sorry, even though I feel wronged by them. I myself still say, you know what, I, I messed up and I'm, I'm sorry. Some of you are good at that. And so you're on a good track. 
But here's a third thing that some of us are not good at. Even if we're good at forgiving others because God has forgiven us, some of us are still trying to pay that debt. The 150,000 years worth of spiritual sin that we've committed that God has forgiven us of. He said, I forgive you. It's a gift, right? I forgive you. I release you of it. I don't want a dime anymore. But some of us are still trying to pay the whole thing back. No, no, no. I'm going to live my whole life just like legalistically. Got to get every moment right. Got to do all this. Like that's a good heart. We need to be following after God in every moment. But sometimes it's not so much to like live in God's grace and mercy. Sometimes we're doing that because we, we feel like we have to make it up. If I could just be holier, right? Then God would say, all right, you made it into heaven by yourself. <laughs> If I could just be holier, then I could earn God's love. I got some good news for you. I think you'll see this as good news. You know that you are holy because God has decided you are holy. Holy is a word used for God's stuff. Okay? God's Ark of the Covenant is holy. God's temple is holy. God's land is God's holy land. The Sabbath is a holy time. Therefore, if you are a Christian following after God, guess what you are? You're holy. You're God's stuff. You do not earn holiness. You do not decide to be holy. Holiness is imparted to you. It's imbued upon you. It's a characteristic of who you are as a Christian. John H. Walton says, When a thing becomes holy, it means that whatever the thing is or does in some way identifies something about what God is or does. He goes on to say that holiness is a status that is conferred. It cannot be earned. It cannot be lost or acquired by behavior. Just like God's holy land. God's holy land is not just like, I got to be holier. I'm a blade of grass and I'm going to pull this off, right? No, that blade of grass is holy because God has made it holy. So don't try to earn your holiness. By all means, follow God in every single step along the way. But if you're trying to like prove to him that you're good enough, the good news in a weird kind of way is you're not, and he still chose you, and he's fine with that. Sure, keep following him. Keep getting better. Grow. Get your habits up. You hear me preach that all the time. You know, if you've been here, then you know I'm well about chasing after God with how we live our lives. But you can't pay back $150 zillion. It's not going to happen. So accept the gift. Because I don't know if you've ever had anyone reject a gift before, but it's incredibly insulting. (laughs) Especially when your gift is of much higher uh, price, right? Ah, I just can't wait to give this to you. Uh, Yeah, I can't accept this. It's insulting. Don't insult God. Accept the gift, now live in it. If you need to pay him back, then pay him back by paying it forward, (laughs) right? Forgive others as he has forgiven you. All right, we're going to take a time uh, to worship now. The band can come up. Um, It's kind of a prophetic day to talk about forgiveness. Uh, On Memorial Day, we celebrate war. We celebrate uh, really what is like the ultimate manifestation of unforgiveness, right? Right? It's the complete absence of reconciliation. 
In some places today, you would walk into a church and you would find kind of a celebration of America and patriotic songs and us fighting and coming on top and all these things. But today we talk about loving our enemies and the people who persecute us and hate us, the people who nail us to a tree saying, even though that this isn't okay, I forgive you and I love you and I'm hoping for no punishment upon you. And I'm trying to give my life for you because Jesus gave his life for me. So today is an important day to be thinking in the backwards kingdom of heaven style rather than the kind of war-like style. So as we enter into worship, um, what is it I always say? What do I always say all the time? Okay, Kevin says I say, here we are, Lord, as I close out like every message. I'm not going to say that, all right? I can feel it now. I do this, don't I? I just said it and it happened. It's amazing. All right. Lord, we come before you (laughs) to worship you and to get involved in your politics, your kingdom, the place where... You long for justice because you are a just God and justice is coming. Because you are a God who will take vengeance, but you tell your humans, you you don't get to. No vengeance for you. You just forgive. If anything needs to go beyond that, that's my decision. That's in my hands. So here we are, God. On a day where war is often thought about, we think of loving our enemies and forgiving. Did I just say it? I just said it. I'm sorry. Amen.